How does it make you feel? Being, well, more than other men. Writing wrongs that the law wouldn't or couldn't touch. You mean a super crime fighter? Yes. Welcome to Now Playing's movie retrospective of The Avengers. Some assembly required. There had better be good reason for this. In a few moments, you can decide for yourself if the reason is good enough. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective. These are not the affairs of mortal men. Looking back at the early film adaptations of The Avengers. It's bad medicine. And nobody said the medicine's going to taste any good. But can we afford not to take it? I don't think so. Nick Fury. Score one for the free world. Captain America. Hey, you need me, you got me. You know that. And Doctor Strange. I don't think I'm ready for that. I think you are. Hosted by Arnie. So working alongside a legend such as yourself really promises to be quite a thrill. Jacob. Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers. And Stuart. He was a greater man than most people realized. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. But it is my best medical opinion that you will experience only beneficial results. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Let's go kick some hydro butt. Today we're discussing Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., starring David Hasselhoff, Lisa Renna, Sandra Hess, Neil Roberts, and Gary Chalk. I'm Dr. Arnie Zola, the mad scientist of Now Playing. Well, clearly I was a naughty boy last year, and this is my lump of coal. Stuart in L.A. Let us rock, let us roll. This is Jacob in Dallas? I kind of moved over the holidays. So we are here beginning our five-month stretch of Marvel Avengers. Hot damn, we're not even halfway done, guys. I did a count. I was like, well, at least it's almost over. Nope. We aren't even halfway through Marvel, and I'm going to lower my expectations, particularly for this TV stuff. I've had enough exposure to Marvel now to kind of know that, well, you know, it hasn't gone well. I just, for those keeping track, X-Men is the only series in Marvel <laughs> that I recommend, and Kick-Ass, the only other property that I've given a pass to. Everything else has failed. But I'm going to try to be nicer. You know, that's my resolution this year. I'm going to be nicer. And then you got to go and throw the Hoff in my face. (laughs) But I'm going to try. I am going to try. (laughs) And I just want to tell our listeners, yes, this is the final stretch as we look at the Avengers and felt that we should go back to their international cinematic history. A lot of this made-for-TV stuff we're looking at was released in theaters in other countries. And I think from a historical perspective, it's good to see where these current Avengers came from and other takes on the story. So we are starting off with this Avengers Some Assembly Required, which is Captain America, Nick Fury, and Doctor Strange, who is an Avenger in the comics. I mean, everyone's been an Avenger at one point. Even the bad guys were the Dark Avengers recently. Then we're going to hit Ghost Rider for that weekend of release with the two Ghost Rider films. A West Coast Avenger at one time. He was an Avenger. I did not know that. And then we will hit the Hulk, which will be all the Hulk films except Marvel's current Hulk. 
And then finally, counting down to Avengers with the cinematic Marvel Universe, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and Joss Whedon's Avengers. So we've got a number of months, but if you're just joining us for the first time... Stick with us. We're getting to the ones you know of. Eventually. All right. So when you say Avengers to me, up until six months ago, I would have said Diana Rigg, Catsuit, Mod (laughs) 60 Spy Show. You have no idea how often I've turned on that Uma Thurman movie thinking I was going to watch a cartoon. (laughs) I've never made it through that movie. Never. Me either. But I'm always like, ooh, Captain America. What the hell is this? I would rather have seen that movie than what I'm about to review. But hey, give me a rundown on what the Avengers is, because this is the Justice League, right? Well, yeah, we talked about with the Fantastic Four how the idea of that group came because the Justice League was such a big seller, and doesn't it just make sense to take all your big players and put them together as one big team? Really, the Avengers, yeah, it's the equivalent of the Justice League for the Marvel Universe. That's what it felt like to me. But, you know, I know Super Friends, you know, my cartoon watching days, but honestly, never heard of Avengers. You say they're cartoons? No clue. How many are there? Well, originally, the Avengers, it was a team, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain America. We'll get into them. But I mean, like I alluded to earlier, just about every person, good or evil, in the Marvel Universe has at some point been an Avenger. I love the fact that they franchised in the comic universe. I know that when I was buying comics in the 90s, there were the West Coast Avengers, which was like the B team. And now I see that there's the Great Lakes Avengers, this, like the Z-listers. <laughs> There's so many Avenger books out there right now. All right, so that's the Avengers. What is S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, that really depends on who you ask. It seems to change a lot. It's different in Iron Man the movie as it is in this Nick Fury movie as it is in the comics. I look to Jacob for some answers here. S.H.I.E.L.D., it's this Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Department. Okay. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But, Stuart, I think you'll like this because it really came from that 60s mod spy era, man from Uncle and Nick Fury. When he became Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was very psychedelic. came out in 1965 with this blue jumpsuit, very James Bond. But S.H.I.E.L.D., it's this multi-government agency. The U.N. secretly started it up. And when you have a universe where there's evil gods running around in New York, the CIA, the FBI, they ain't going to quite cut it. You got to have something a little bit more powerful, and that's where Shield steps in. Okay, so it doesn't stand for Super Hammy Iconic Entertainers Last Depot, because that's what I'm guessing. It was either that, or somehow Hasselhoff is an extremely lucky dude. That was where my two guesses. Or my personal favorite, so horrible I expelled liquid discharge. But we'll get there. <laughs> I can see where this is going, even with your lowered expectations. (laughs) Remember, be nice, Stuart. It's a new year. (laughs) So S.H.I.E.L.D. is basically like the one half of the Cold War. It's the good guys. It's the G.I. Joes to the Cobras. This is like the yin and the yang of the cartoon bad guy, good guy universe. Yes, I think that basically sums it up from my reading is, yeah, it's Joe versus Cobra. And that becomes really apparent in this film, but we'll get into that. (laughs) So S.H.I.E.L.D. is not necessarily a branch or a wing of the Avengers. No, in current continuity, it's ran by Tony Stark. There's usually some superhero running it, but it's not a superhero team. It's a multi-government 
agency that kind of looks out for those bigger threats, and it does include superheroes and regular agents. And am I correct, Jacob, in thinking that it's the Iron Man movie, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was the first time S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers really merged on that level where the Avenger initiative was a subset of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I don't really recall S.H.I.E.L.D. going out trying to recruit a superhero team. I I think that's something that the Marvel cinema side has come up with. I mean, you get a little bit of it in the Ultimate Universe, but I really think that's an invention of Marvel movies. Okay, when Fury first appears on the scene... I'm familiar with him being a white dude, but now he's going to be Sam Jackson. He's gone black. How did that happen? I actually can speak to this because I'm the multimedia guy. There's that ultimate Marvel universe that Jacob talked about with Fantastic Four. It's kind of a parallel universe. Well, in interviews, Sam Jackson expressed that growing up, he loved Nick Fury. So Marvel went to Sam Jackson and said, hey, we're creating a new universe. You like Nick Fury. Do you mind if we make him look exactly like you? And so long before he was ever cast, he signed off his likeness to Marvel so he could be Nick Fury in this ultimate universe. Well, I can't wait to compare Jackson to Hasselhoff. (laughs) And how often do you get that opportunity? (laughs) It's too rare. They haven't done the Samuel Jackson-led Knight Rider reboot yet. Until then, I guess this is what we'll have to settle for. But yes, this is the first incarnation of Nick Fury, the truer to the 616 Marvel Universe version, I dare say, Nick Fury. Well, it's a white guy. In a jumpsuit. (laughs) There's an eye patch and a cigar. (laughs) And this was broadcast on Fox Television. And if you didn't see it then, when Iron Man came out on DVD, Fox Entertainment, who had nothing to do with Iron Man, said, there's a Nick Fury in that. Let's jump on this and release this movie on DVD. Oh, so there is an official release of this. People could have the opportunity to own it legitimately. Yes, it came out. It was started off at $25. I got it for $5 at Best Buy. It's now going for over 80 on Amazon. This is a sought-after DVD. Mm. I guess it would make a good gag gift, like a <laughs> inflatable doll or some kind of lewd toy. All right. And on the front of the DVD cover, in big letters... From the writer of Batman Begins. <laughs> Wait, what? That's not true. That's yeah, true. David Goyer. The mind behind Blade. This was one of his early writing gigs the same year as Blade, in fact, a few months before. Yeah, I don't think that there's a superhero property that doesn't cross David Goyer's desk. He seems to have his finger in all the pots. He's even working on Man of Steel right now. Now, I have to say, when this came out in 1998... I didn't watch it. I'm actually seeing it for the first time in total for this review. I've seen clips of it here and there. How can you not? The YouTube videos are hysterical. But this is my first time seeing it because, you know, Lisa Rinna, she's attractive. I love her back in her Melrose Place days, days of our lives. But The Hoff. I didn't know if I could take a film with The Hoff. I got a question for you guys before we get into the movie or anything else. What is David Hasselhoff? Besides the biggest TV star in all of history? Is he? He is. You cannot imagine the international appeal of Baywatch. That man's a national treasure. This is the man that brought down the Berlin Wall. How can you not love the Hoff? It seems like everyone understands Hasselhoff is synonymous with bad entertainment, right? I mean, like, we all get it. It's He's a parody of a leading man, right? I mean, 
if I were going to cook up a Hasselhoff <laughs> in an oven, I'd start with a, like a Shatner ham. I'd put in a dollop of Fabio to bring up the cheese flavor. And then I'd top it off with some Leslie Nielsen and bake <laughs> until well done, until burnt to a crisp like his skin. That's how I would make a Hasselhoff. Arnie, now I- I'm guessing you watched the Baywatch I did have a period of time where, yes. (laughs) I've never seen him in anything, ever, except that YouTube video of him crawling around eating meat off the floor. (laughs) (laughs) He has a great cameo in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Highly recommended. But my question for you, Arnie, is, like, we all know that he's a parody now, but was he like that in Baywatch? When did he cross over to become a parody? Had it been by the time Nick Fury came out, or were people still taking him seriously? My feeling is nobody took him seriously after Knight Rider except he himself. And it's only in the past few years that he got in on the joke. I totally agree with this. I believe that he has come around and been like, oh, I'm funny? Okay, ha I'll be funny. What he doesn't realize is it's not that the jokes that he says. It's him trying to do the action stuff that's the comedy, not the joke telling. He gets that he's an icon for hilarity, but doesn't know why. Yeah, he does not see the cheese appeal. Keep in mind, around this time, not too long before this, was Baywatch Nights, the police detective version of Baywatch. And when that didn't take off, it became the X-Files version of Baywatch with David Hasselhoff (laughs) investigating supernatural disturbances on the beach. Are you you serious? (laughs) They did an X-Files Baywatch? Yes, Baywatch Nights Season 2. Oh, wow. I can't wrap my mind around it, and I can't imagine under what circumstances I'd even watch a Hasselhoff product after we finish with this. Not long ago, just a couple years ago, before now playing occupied about 80% of my viewing, I went through a Knight Rider renaissance. It was on some new cable TV channel, and I started watching every episode of Knight Rider and loving it. Loving it, especially the ones where David Hasselhoff had a dual role as Michael Knight and his evil twin, Garth Knight. (laughs) What? And he wore a goatee. Hmm. Oh, it's classic viewing, Stuart. You need to track down those episodes. No. Seriously, I can understand the man, and I love the cheese of Knight Rider, and I grew up with Knight Rider. I had the talking car. So David Hasselhoff, yes, he's a laughing target, but... I only watched America's Got Talent when David Hasselhoff was a judge. When he left, so did I. I even own a couple of his CDs, but for completely ironic reasons. Yes, I agree. I have seen one music video. I guess that counts as me being watching one of his works before, but he did a Hooked on a Feeling video where I feel like at that point he knew that he was a joke. Which brings us to Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think at this point he was a git. He was right around the time where he was toying with leaving Baywatch, and Baywatch was moving to Hawaii, and I think they killed his character. I wasn't watching during these years, but then he came back and wasn't really dead. And Lisa Rinna, another soap star, Hasselhoff got his start in soaps, so I think this is a pretty stellar cast for a made-for-Fox movie in 1998. Well, here's my guess about this. They knew that he was a hot commodity internationally, and they were willing to make this movie, but they couldn't spend the money to make it a legitimate movie. My question for you guys is, was this conceived as a TV movie, or did they just realize that there's no way they could air it on a movie theater, even internationally? Making of information of this is incredibly sparse. It was always intended as a television production. Keep in mind, not 
too long before this, Marvel had had several made-for-TV hits with the Incredible Hulk made-for-TV movies we'll be reviewing in a few months. Those were big successes, but sadly, Bill Bixby died, and Marvel was on the verge of bankruptcy. Avia Rod was just starting to take over Marvel from being the toy maker of Marvel Toys, Toy Biz, and trying to keep them out of bankruptcy. Comics were going through a bad time. I think Marvel needed some money. Marvel almost went bankrupt in the 90s. It was not a good time for Marvel. Well, I can see that. Having watched Fantastic Four, Gorman style, having watched Generation X, and then we now approach this project. Thank God for them Blade hit, because I don't think they would have made another Marvel movie after Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. The thing I couldn't tell is... Obviously, as we'll get to, this film doesn't end conclusively. Was it possibly a hopeful, if this does really well, it might get picked up as a series? Was it they hoped for more TV movies? There were a lot of TV movies around this time. I think they were bringing the $6 million man back in TV movies. So I can't find anything about it. I think you'd have to track down the Hoff or Lisa Rinna or maybe Goyer to find out. But I do know this was always made on a television budget for Fox for TV. My guess is it was written as a feature, cast as a TV movie, with the hopes that possibly, if demand wanted it, they could keep it going in a future series. Since, yeah, Hoff was apparently too good for Baywatch and needed a new gig. Given that I'm hoping most of our audience has not seen this movie, please give them a plot summary, Arnie. Alright, we'll walk you through this, because unless you're spending $80 on Amazon, this may be a little hard to find, unless you go to the dark side, as Stuart puts it. We'll be into more specifics as we go. But, high level, Baron Wolfgang von Strucker was leader of Hydra, a terrorist movement that tried to bring the Fourth Reich until von Strucker was stopped by Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division, an international agency, and Fury lost his eye in the process. But that was then, this is now. And when the film opens, Nick Fury, played by David Hasselhoff, has been living in the Yukon, digging in a cave for years, when S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Pierce comes calling. Von Strucker's daughter, Andrea, codenamed Viper, and son Werner are attempting to return Hydra to power and consolidate the world's terrorist organizations under their banner. To do this, Andrea has broken into a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility and stolen the cryogenically frozen body of her father, and in doing so, killed Fury's former partner, Clay Quartermain. Andrea and Werner need the Baron's body to recover the Death's Head virus, a chemical weapon that they plan to use to blackmail the world for one billion dollars. With the body, they need the help of the virus's original creator, Dr. Arnim Zola, who is in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. So Andrea goes undercover as an Interpol agent to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. and liberate the mad scientist. While there, she also begins to seduce Fury so she can give him the kiss of death with the poison from a Colombian tree frog? A slow poison that will kill him in 48 hours, and S.H.I.E.L.D. scientists cannot find a cure unless they have Andrea's blood as she has to be immune. But S.H.I.E.L.D. has bigger problems, as with Zola's help, Hydra has weaponized the Death's Head virus and threatens to release it in Manhattan. Fury, along with Pierce and mind-reading agent Kate Neville, go after Hydra to stop Andrea, while Fury's former flame, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by Lisa Renna... <laughs> Oh, I can't take no more. I was trying not to laugh this whole plot summary. <laughs> it is quite a mouthful when you try to wrap your tongue around it. I would like to try to wrap my tongue around her. I mean it. 
Lisa Renna leads a task force in Manhattan to try to find and stop the missile. Val tracks down Werner and his warheads and shoots Werner in the head, but needs a code to disarm the missiles. Many fights ensue, and Fury, growing increasingly weak from the poison, succeeds in taking out Zola and capturing Andrea so Kate can read Andrea's mind and get the disarm codes and save Manhattan with only seconds to spare. Fury also gets some of Andrea's blood, allowing scientists to find an antidote for his poison. But the slippery Andrea escapes at the last moment, and as the film ends, we see Andrea plotting revenge with her now-reanimated father, the awakened Baron Von Strucker, as credits, or maybe commercials, roll. <laughs> so that's the movie. I guess we'll get into it as we go. We mentioned Baywatch a lot, and I definitely felt like they were going for that Baywatch vibe with these opening credits where we're flying over waves, just like every episode of Baywatch started. <laughs> that's the exact notes I wrote down. Baywatch opening. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think that's the audience this is going for. We've got quite a bit of seduction, sex, innuendo going on here. It's Baywatch without the bikinis. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it, wasn't that the problem with Baywatch Nights? It's cold out now and they got to put something over the bikinis? I mean, isn't that why you watch Baywatch? Knight Rider was a hit because it had a talking car. Baywatch was a hit because Pamela Anderson had two things going for her. <laughs> That's it. That's why they were hits. It had nothing to do with Hasselhoff and his magical touch for television. Nothing. I can't believe they thought that this was lightning in a bottle again. I mean, come on. This is nothing. They don't even have the Incredible Hulk here. They don't even have what they had in the 70s. I'm wondering, as I watch this... Clearly, they know it's bad, but how bad do they think it is? To which I mean, like, is this Adam West Batman camp? Or is this, like, Kevin Sorbo poverty entertainment? We're going to take this thing seriously, even though you know and I know it looks like crap. I mean, I can't figure that out. I can't tell which one this is, because the first third of this movie seems to me to be Adam West camp. Like, William Shatner singing these days versus William Shatner singing in the 70s when he didn't know. But then the movie takes a turn, and we'll get into it, but it loses that feeling, and it becomes very serious. So it's very uneven in that way, and I can't tell if the jokes are intentional. They've got to be, right? They've got to be intentional. All the bad sexual puns and all. I mean, again, when you had Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., yes, he started off in World War II, and then they fast-forwarded and did this whole 60s take on him, and it had all that sexual puns, James Bond-style stuff. So I feel like they're just kind of going back to that source material. And, and, you know, Roger Moore always kind of played it off as a joke, like all, all the bad one-liners. That's the vibe I'm getting from this. And I, I got to say, let's take someone other than Hasselhoff, because we all see him and we go, okay, it's a joke. If you take someone like... Robert Downey Jr., who we've seen pull off this kind of thing in Iron Man, we'll talk about that later this year, but you put him in this, and like he would be able to pull this off and re totally be going with it. But I think it's because it's Hasselhoff in the role that we're thinking Adam West. I agree with you. I'm wondering how much of this is colored, tainted, if you will, by Hasselhoff in the lead. And that had they gone with just some TV soap actor, anybody, I don't know, throw a rock, <laughs> whoever you hit, they get the part. Was Caruso looking for work at that point? Yeah, there's no obvious answer, but I, I do feel like anybody could play this part better. I just feel like, all right, if it weren't cast with a punchline... I think if the lines weren't played so heavy, 
they would, yeah, just come off more as like Connery or Roger Moore sides, as you say. But keep in mind, too, this is coming one year after Austin Powers. And you're mentioning the plot summary, Arnie, of $1 billion. <laughs> I do feel like that's kind of what they're going for, too. Maybe it's James Bond. Maybe it's Austin Powers. They don't quite know themselves. Much like Hasselhoff, it's an identity crisis. I'm a joke, but I don't know why. <laughs> they're only laughing when I'm trying to be serious. So what do I do? That's the dilemma here. But right from the get-go, I'm puzzled and I'm blind, stumbling around, trying to find how I'm supposed to be feeling about this setup. Yeah, I mean, during the very opening scene where we see Baron Von Strucker's cryogenically frozen body stolen, it feels like we're in for a Generation X-type serious action, right? As serious as Generation X could be taken, yes. You know what I'm saying. It's taking itself seriously, even if we aren't. Yeah. But the next thing we see, we're in the Yukon at an abandoned mine shaft, and apparently Nick Fury lives there and is pickaxing for fun. I have no clue what the hell he's doing there. He's digging for gold. That's what everyone did 50, 100 years prior. <laughs> is that what it was? Here's my take on it. There's this famous story with the comics code with Nick Fury in the 60s. In the comics code, you couldn't really have the sexual innuendo. So at the end of one comic, they actually have Nick Fury and a woman in a suggestive position. And the code said, no, you can't do that. And instead, without the artist's permission, Jim Stranko, they just put a picture of a gun being put into a holster. And Stranko's like, well, that's much more explicit than anything I ever drew. And like, here we got... Hasselhoff banging on a giant hole. I don't know if this is supposed to be suggestive, but it's an odd choice. There's no doubt about it. Everyone around him seems to think Hasselhoff is the sexiest, coolest thing. And I mean, like, guys and girls. Like, his whole partner, his dying thoughts are about what Nick is going to do and Nick avenging his death and all that. It's, it's just weird. Like, he left five years ago and they're making robots that look like him to, so that he can still hang around. I mean, all of she is totally crushing on David Hasselhoff. I don't get it. <laughs> and I see why, though. When he shows up, all of a sudden, I'm having a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Because he's chewing the scenery like he's chewing that cigarello. His line delivery is wonderful in this at the beginning. Oh, God. I'm right there with you, Arnie. I just wrote down line after line after line. Why don't you take your blow dryer and get the hell out of my afternoon sun? Like, his deliveries, whether he thinks he's serious or not, I'm going back to Batman 66 here, like, with the camp, and I'm having a good time with it. I am too. I guess we can debate that when we get to that 66 Batman movie later this year, but I feel like Adam West runs circles around David Hasselhoff. I feel like Adam West knows how to be funny by playing it straight, whereas Hasselhoff is chewing way too hard on these lines. He's trying to milk it and say, see, aren't I funny? He's the perfect example of a narcissist who doesn't know why people like him or don't. But here's the thing, Stuart, for me, is... I think he thinks these lines are cool. And then it's pushing into bad, but it's coming back around the other side. It's like the human centipede of humor because it's become so completely beyond that it's suddenly become cool again. 
But it's not funny. I mean, we can oh, agree that it's not. No one's laughing. I am laughing. We're not laughing with him, but we are laughing at him. I might even be laughing with him. I'm not sure how in it he is. A chortle or a guffaw, but you're not like, oh, this is hilarious. I mean, like, you're more, like, stunned by how bad it is, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to go see this for its stand-up comedy routine. <laughs> right, well, it's not Austin Powers, is what I want to say. If that's what they were going for, it's completely fail well no this is austin powers if mike myers thought he was doing the next james bond film and that's why it's hilarious yeah i'm really having fun with this a lot of fun and it's all his performance and it goes throughout i mean later on they're like i think hydra's trying to send you a message they're like guess i just heard it it's great <laughs> i mean first of all goyer is writing terrible lines on the page. If these are Goyer's lines, I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't Hasselhoff ad-libbing, but go on. Oh, come on. Goyer also had, well, I can't repeat the line, but we know about some kind of people that try to ice skate uphill. Yeah. Like, that was his tough line for Blade. So I think this is Goyer. It's got that same feel. Okay. And again, is Goyer going for serious or is Goyer going for Austin Powers? We'll never know. But here, the lines are so bad and Hasselhoff's delivery of them is even worse that I am just loving it. And all of a sudden, I realized that I could take this film as camp classic from the first half hour when the hovercraft shows up and it looks like it's a matchbox car that they superimposed. It has the detail of a matchbox. I figure that thing has to be six inches at most in real life. This thing is cheap and bad and I'm loving it. And this is what I was hoping that Corbin's Fantastic Four was going to be. That was just bad, bad. I mean, this, though, it had that cheese factor, that camp feel to it where, yeah, you see the helicarrier, and I, I was kind of impressed Fox had the money to pull something like that off. I, I was expecting a lot worse, but... When the helicarrier showed up, I will grant you, I was impressed. When the first hovercraft showed up, I'm like, oh, God. Yes. But when they get to the helicarrier, I'm like, you know, for television, for 1998... For practical effects, I gotta give them some serious props. No tongue-in-cheek here. That was pretty good for TV back then. But they bring Fury in because he's the only one who could stop Hydra. And they're immediately reinstating him. They're not just consulting him a la Austin Powers. But no, they're pulling him out of a cave to be the public director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, now this has gone into every bad cop, good cop, I'm throwing you off the force, now we're bringing you back, cliche in the book. What does that mean? Does he do the press? Like, is he the PR person? <laughs> I have no clue, but I would think from the title that he'd be the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. But then we're told there's a general director who is his yelling, screaming, cursing, generic, stereotypical boss. But then there's that other guy. There's so much bureaucracy. I mean, what's the difference between Dugan and Pincer? Because he's got, like, two bosses. Dugan's the good cop. Pincer's the bad cop. What I love is they're trying to get him to fill out the W-2 forms. <laughs> like, that's legitimately funny. We have this super badass spy agency, and hey, can you fill out your HR forms, man? That's what I loved is, yes, there's so much bureaucracy going on here. There's so many levels of middle management and senior management in S.H.I.E.L.D. that they need him to fill out a W-2. I think, to some degree, they're in on the joke. They definitely are. I mean, comic book movies have been heading this way anyway. It should be said that the Batman series itself, this was the same year as Batman and Robin, they were heading back towards camp. They thought that this is what 
people wanted out of the comic book movie. It was a return to Adam West, but it's too much mugging for me. I'm not laughing, and I don't laugh the entire movie. I hear you guys are saying that this is a camp plastic. Well, no, I, I'm saying it has the potential to be at the beginning here. Yes. I haven't got to the end yet. Yes, I'm saying at the beginning, this is my impression as I'm watching it for the first time. It's looking good. I'm surprised how much I'm enjoying this. I've only seen about 10 minutes of this film previous, and I remember I sat down, I'm like, oh, it's David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury, this is supposed to be really bad. Now I'm sitting down and I'm finding myself actually enjoying this. Like, I'm surprised at this point. I was hoping that this bootleg I was watching was actually going to have the commercials in it because it would give me a reprieve. <laughs> I'm also still, though, trying to figure out exactly how comic booky are we. I mean, yes, there's a flying helicarrier, but also there's no laser guns. There's a cryogenically frozen guy, but there's... Why is he frozen? My first logistical question, and I promise not to get too heavy in it because the movie is only half serious anyway, but seriously, what is the point of keeping that guy in a base frozen i know the comic book answer i don't know if they give you an answer in this movie though he was infected with a virus he invented the virus yes that's what we understand he invented a virus that quartermain and fury used against him and then all of a sudden there's another guy who also might have invented the virus or is going to extract the virus or something all right it took me two watchings but i got it yeah i had to rewind this a few times to get this whole virus thing dr zola invented this death's head virus for Hitler. Yeah, they started to develop it for Hitler, but he lost before they could get it done, I believe. Yeah, I didn't think that they were working on germ warfare in World War II, but okay. And Hydra are Nazis. Just to clarify that after Hitler fell, Hydra rose and it's the second wave, of the Fourth Reich, as you describe it. Yes. Yeah. And Zola had this death's head virus. S.H.I.E.L.D. captured Zola. He went to jail for 30 years. So you got to figure this was in the 90s. He was captured in the 60s during the Cold War. Now, wait a minute. You work for Nazis on a weapon of mass destruction and you serve 30 years and then you get off? (laughs) Really? Yes, apparently so. You don't get executed. Okay. So they destroyed the death's head weapon entirely, but somehow i'm not quite sure the baron had it in him and thus it's in his cells he was poisoned with it It yes said the baron was trapped by fury and his partner and they poisoned him with his own virus and it's the only part of the virus left to which i say hey if you have the last remaining part of the virus a virus that could kill everyone why keep it around why freeze it why not just eradicate it and then problem solved now i know in the comic they keep him around because if he dies the virus is released everywhere. So it would make sense, if that was the case, to freeze him up. But I don't think they ever bring that up in this movie. I was waiting for, why is he frozen? Except they need the plot to move forward. Yeah, and I thought, they keep calling it a corp. So I'm really surprised later when he's, like, alive. But we'll get there when we get there. But Well, it starts off in a cryogenics lab, so I didn't think he was dead. He was just on ice. But corpse doesn't mean on ice. You wouldn't call Walt Disney a corpse, would you? Yes. No, that's what I'm saying. It's that, Do they call him a corpse in this? Yes. Okay. Listen, has anybody ever been successfully reanimated from a deep freeze? No, they're dead. <laughs> He's Walt Disney, uh, any day now. They, they, <laughs> could, they could use him. 
okay, other than in Futurama, I just don't see it happening. And so he is dead. I also had that question. Why didn't they just burn him? Cremate him, destroy the last bit of the virus. The second question is, if Dr. Zola is so anxious to help the Fourth Reich, he obviously created it from nothing once. Couldn't he just recreate it? Do you have to have the old man? Maybe he doesn't have the ingredients. All right, so this is a bad setup. We all agree that it doesn't pay out. We can't treat this seriously. But I get it now, and, and I didn't get it while watching it. The Baron is the new Hitler. He wasn't Hitler's biochemist. Correct. Dr. Zola was the biochemist. This is why I got confused when there was, like, another one suddenly. It was like, how many do they have? I mean, viruses... I think of viruses being a very 90s problem. It was very in vogue in that decade. You know, you had the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman trying and Rene Russo. They were wearing the suits and doing the whole virus thing. There was that book, The Hot Zone. It was all about Ebola. That was, like, the most horrifying thing you could contract. There was even a TV show, very briefly, called The Burning Zone. It was, like, on a flash. That was the disaster concept of that decade was you're going to get a virus and it could totally eradicate all of humanity and I feel like that's why they went with this plot. This is not a plot you would want to use to introduce S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury but if you wanted to be relevant in the 90s that's why you use it. I'm going to say this, Goyer had to have read the comic books because I mean this whole virus thing it's got a different name in the comic but that's from the comics. There's so many characters Dr. Zola looks a bit different in the comics he's got like a video camera for a head and a video face in his belly but dugan's in there i mean even kate's in there contessa they're all from the comics they might be a little bit different but they've pulled so much from the comics into this film well that explains a lot because i really wondered about a lot of this and if they're going off the comic and being truthful to the material then i can go for it let me ask you in the comic is there a psychic shield agent with implants because that was the first sci-fi element that made me go huh we're not quite in the real world i guess i should have thought that with the flying hover ship but it was the psychic that really got me kate from the psychic division well kate's from the comics as far as i know there's not a psychic division and she's not a psychic in training this whole thing bothered me because no pun intended it tells you what's going to happen in this film we've all become psychic by this random placement of kate from the psychic division but there are these sci-fi elements in the shield comics and nick fury i mean this is the marvel universe where you have mr fantastic building his fantastic mobile like the life model decoys the lmd the robohoff straight from the comics the lmds play a big part in the nick fury agent of shield storylines that thing was freaky as hell when they pull that mask out i'm getting like an even creepier than dark man vibe off that fake face going over that that thing would give me nightmares all right, there's too many jokes about Hasselhoff robot. I mean, it's first of all, that's not his body. Like, they clearly got a guy in shape to do the body, and then they put his head on it. I mean, the narcissism here. Like, why are they creating it? Why does it look like him if he doesn't work for them anymore? What good is it? Can he just replace Hasselhoff for the rest of it? The, do they need to bring back a guy who's a bad PR person in a PR position if they have a robot? I mean, so much about this is just... All right, hit yourself on the head, you'll have the same reaction. It's concussive watching this. I mean, my whole problem with the LMD, again, it's like Kate the Psychic. We now know where this movie's going, right? We know what's going to happen at the end of this film and how it's going to get resolved. All right, I didn't. Actually, I didn't. Are you serious? This thing is dropped 
so fast. It's dropped more than a missile full of a death's head virus. And when the end comes up and it pops back up, I'm like, how did it get there? And yes, they say this line, it's portable too. How the hell is it? it yes, they say you could shrink it. Like, I was hoping they'd use some bad special effect to shrink it down. And yes, and, and have Hasselhoff put it in his pocket. A little mini-me Hasselhoff. That would be cool. I would have liked to see the blow-up Dalhoff. No, I had this all wrong. I thought for sure they were telling us this was the villain, and I would have laid any amount of money that it was Hoff versus Hoff for the finale. I knew that that was the way it had to be, because him defeating the robot version of himself would allow him to have job security. I figured (laughs) that's gotta be it. Well, I was real wrong. But I did kind of like the whole Kate thing that she's a natural psychic, but she has implants that allow her to be even more psychic. I just love that Hasselhoff's still in his Baywatch days. She says she has implants and he looks straight down. Yeah, I agree. That was the kind of writing. That's the kind of sly Bondian writing they need to be hitting. And with a better actor, that would have been a funny joke. Was she supposed to be hot? Like, I got that whole scene, like, she's supposed to be attractive. I'm like, she ain't attractive. She's as hot as they can get on that budget, yes. But you wouldn't put her in a swimsuit and have her run up and down Malibu Beach. I thought she was supposed to be the brain, so not hot. I mean, the heat here is Lisa Rinna, right? As Val, who's very experienced in the sexpionage game. She's the hot one. And is she ever, might I add? She looks damn good in black leather. Don't most women, though, I mean, if they got a body, you want to see them in black leather. I mean, this is true. We'll, we'll get to Scarlet in, in a few months. We'll get to talk about that all over again. Harry Hamlin is a lucky, lucky man. Yeah, he worked again after Clash of the Titans. <laughs> but Lisa Renna here, I think maybe it's because she's working with David Hasselhoff. She's not giving her best performance of her career. <laughs> what is her career? I've never heard of Lisa Renna before. I'll be honest with you. I don't know who this is. <laughs> I'm with you, Stuart. Who is she, Arnie? <laughs> God, if you guys make fun of me for rom-coms, this is really going to put me on the chopping block. Okay, so that explains her acting then. No, she's not from rom-coms. She's from soap operas. She started off as the replacement Billy on Days of Our Lives, who was dating Bo, and then she graduated to be on Melrose Place. She was on that show as a femme fatale for a few seasons back during my Melrose space blogging time. And then she kind of disappeared for a while, did a few TV movies, would show up from time to time, pose for Playboy. And then she was the runner-up to join Regis on Regis and Kelly. It would have been Regis and Lisa. She lost to Kelly. And this is her punishment? (laughs) Actually, that was about three years after this. Okay. So I knew her because she's hot. And I watched soaps in college. So I was happy to see her here. But yeah, she's just phoning this one in. Well, at this point in my Marvel watching phase, I've seen a lot of models being brought in as actresses. And I can say she's no Rebecca Romaine. I mean, you know, if, I think that's the high bar of hot woman who can pull off superhero femme fatale. And I don't know what she's going for here. I don't think she really knows. I'm not going to blame her, but I'm not going to praise her. She has to pretend she loves David Hasselhoff. And <laughs> that's a bad gig. We all know the only person who loves David Hasselhoff is David Hasselhoff. Again, I thought that LMD was going to end up doing something a little more (laughs) subversive than it did. Wouldn't you want to see a Hoff on Hoff lip lock? No, I would not. (laughs) It would make sense. Well, if 
Lisa Renna's Val isn't doing it for you. What about Andrea Von Stryker? <laughs> you know what? Going back to that camp factor, I'm enjoying the awful German accent and like how much she's hamming it up. Yeah, I don't think she delivers a line without groping with her hands. It's uh, <laughs> Battlefield Earth-esque in her <laughs> performance here. I, probably my favorite awful villain performance of the Marvel series. I don't think there has been a more campy, ridiculous villain than this one. I love that there's so many times when we go to commercial with her doing a maniacal laugh for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, I agree. She's an evil Nazi German. I mean, isn't that what they do when they're not killing Jews or trying to take over the world? They're maniacally laughing. They're jolly folk. I thought she might have been the treasure because she got the <laughs> kissy thing again. I can't believe we're doing that. Really? Electro took from this? <laughs> How much more awesome would the finger be, though, if they were blowing <laughs> kisses from poisonous toads? I love it. It's like so. Wasn't that the big thing in the 90s, too? Licking toads, getting high by licking toads. I don't know if that started from Beavis and Butthead or what. <laughs> but I remember that going around in high school. Oh, you lick a toad to get high. So when they come up with this, I'm just rolling. Because like, that's such a 90s thing right there. Well, wasn't it on The Simpsons, Don't Do Toad? You know, I know the Nazi scientists were into some kinky shit. But you really wonder how far into madness they must have gone in order to be extracting toad skin and placing it on the lips of Nazi seductresses. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is some bad stuff. Is she a genetic creation in a lab? Because here's where I got really confused. We know that the Baron is infected with the virus and that she's immune. I was like, did he someone really quick and then like now she's immune to it but this virus is different than death's head virus yeah there's two viruses there's the toad virus and the death's head virus oh okay <laughs> really bad writing but all right yeah it, it was all kinds of confusing and silly and taking me back to electra and making that movie look better than it was uh, it just <laughs> yeah this is ridiculous i do wonder is she a character from the comic as well jacob i thought it was strange that they would make her the villain as opposed to the Baron himself. If indeed he is alive, I would have figured it would have been more logical to have the Hitler part two than Hitler's daughter. Von Strucker does have three children. She had a twin brother, and then I think it's Werner in this film. He was the other son. They've all been killed in Marvel continuity. She's been resurrected a couple times and been killed a few times. So he has had kids. I don't think in current continuity, maybe in the 90s they were still alive, but they're not alive now. Weren't they Captain America villains, all of these people? There is a Captain America villain named Viper. There's uh, the Red Skull, who we'll get into when we get to Captain America, but he has a daughter named Sin, and she has a snake crew. I don't know if they just took from the same names. Yeah, it gets very incestual between evil Nazi overlords, between Captain America and Nick Fury. Yeah, because I know this guy... Arnim Zola. I bought his action figure. He's, yeah, he's, he's Captain America. Yeah, he's Captain America, and his face isn't on his head. It's on his chest. I'm sorry? He has a video camera for a head. On his chest. It's like a video screen. He's a Teletubby? Kinda, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I was very confused that the old man talking like Darth Vader with an oxygen mask was supposed to be him. Yeah, this is all kinds of confusing here. At this point, I'll be honest, we're not even to the first commercial break, and I'm ready to turn it off and cancel the show. I mean, really. Again, I think about those donation drives last year. I'm like, okay, people want me to go through this. I can do it. I've been through some bad movies before. We can beat this thing. <laughs> 
And then Hasselhoff delivers the line, how long do I have until Kermit bites me the big one? (laughs) Again, don't you think Hasselhoff wrote that one, was trying to be funny? No, I don't. Doesn't that smell of someone that doesn't have a sense of humor trying to be funny? Maybe Goyer's not a funny guy, but I don't think the Hoff had script approval here. All I'm going to say is I could see Blade saying a similar line, and he did say <laughs> similar lines. I, I think this is all Goyer here. You might be right. But at this point, the movie changes, and not for the better, because now they freed Artem Zola from S.H.I.E.L.D. Hoff is poisoned after Andrea snuck in as an Interpol agent. The Interpol agent shows up with the Death's Head virus shrieking and is never seen again. I presume she dies. Why did they even need the Interpol agent? It's like they, we have the mad scientist. Why don't we bring him to us? No, let's go take him to a secret lair that we know Hydra agents are following us and bring some useless character who, surprise, ends up being a double agent. Idiot. And she has a spray-on mask. And here's a couple of things that are occurring to me. Is I realize this is partially James Bond. And the scene that made that crystal clear is when they're outfitting Fury with all of his weaponry. You see the life decoy. You see his special gun. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, the black guy's cute. And Hasselhoff is Bond. And it, yeah. it, it became really crystal clear. But then when Andrea sprays her face with an aerosol to remove a mask, I'm also thinking back to the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, where they had all those lifelike masks and could impersonate everybody. So I really think they're trying to, at this point, switch into serious spy thriller mode. Well, again, I mean, that is from the comics. It it does have that James Bond vibe. But yeah, this does take a a totally different shift in tone. Now the jokes stop, the bad puns stop, and it hurts the film. Now, instead of just being a farce, they are being very serious about killing everyone in Manhattan to prove a point. It's like, if they pay the ransom, we're still going to kill all 8 million. And we get to see a vision from Zola's head of the Twin Towers blowing up. Yeah, there's a couple shots of the World Trade Center in this with ominous music. Well, keep in mind, just to put it in historical perspective, the World Trade Center had already been attacked by bin Laden at this point. They had driven a car bomb into the parking lot of it and exploded it in 93. So that's what they're really trying to reference here. That was the worst that it could be. It was like, imagine the car bomb, only worse. Well, now we don't need to imagine. And we have a harder time playing, I think, this scenario as camp. It's just not as funny, but that's what they were going off of here is that i mean we're still stuck in the 90s here it reminds me how different things were 15 years ago truth be told i didn't notice at first about the twin towers because still in my mind that's the new york skyline it's still weird to me to not have it there so i just thought oh it's manhattan blowing up in a bad effect shot but then it kind of hit me what i was seeing and yeah but it's not just that scene it's not just us and our post 9-11 view this movie takes a tonal shift for the worse Well, it asks us to pay attention to the plot, and this plot is awful. I mean, I can't understand it, people. They have a virus. It needs to be frozen, and then they're going to unleash it by firing it in a missile that's going to blow up Manhattan? So are they blowing it up, or are they freezing it? Because if you blow it up, you're going to kill the virus. Yeah, I stop paying attention because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, as soon Uh -uh. as Hasselhoff gets his toad flu and starts limping around and stops throwing out the one-liners, yeah, there's not a lot to this film except really weird logic. I don't understand any of this. 
And presumably saying this whole frozen missile concoction actually works and then it spreads throughout the world and kills everyone except those genetically not predisposed to be hurt by viruses like her. What is she going to do with the one billion dollars? Like literally like they're asking for money on top of it. It's just this is a sad ass plot. And that's the problem, is that not only does it stop being a camp movie and start taking it seriously, but this is where things get really funny, because it is so poorly written. Well, she's evil for evil's sake, which is the negative stereotype of comic book villains, but it's not always incorrect. I mean, she wants to unify all the terrorist cells across the globe. Or at least three of them. <laughs> I mean, it was like Cairo, Tokyo, and the London guy got axed. And the Cairo guy <laughs> almost got it because he complained about her tardiness. I'm like, oh, don't go there. I mean, it's basically like a hostile takeover of terrorist organizations, and I think she thinks with that money... She can organize them, but my post-9-11 understanding of terrorist organizations is totally different. I don't see them becoming franchises for profit's sake. They're not out for global domination. They're usually out to overthrow a specific government, and they're not going to team up and join each other's jihads. Well, come on. Remember, this is Cobra. This is G.I. Joe in this film. That's the mindset we're still in when it comes to evil organizations, is that they want to take over the world because that's what evil people do. And that was very much Hydra's plan in the comics. And after Von Strucker supposedly died, they do splinter off into these different factions and Red Skull and Strucker come back and they want to reunite all the factions into one strong terrorist organization. I mean, this is Cobra Commander stuff now. I totally agree. Yes, this is what I'm taking it as. I'm trying to see it as a big budget version of an 80s cartoon. I mean, Andrea even is going by Viper now. She's even got the snake name. (laughs) <laughs> and of course, in between all of this, there's the melodrama between Val and Nick. So then they split into two groups and Hasselhoff, Pierce and Kate are trying to find Hydra based off of a chip because Hydra has its own life model decoys of the general director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which was riding in the elevator with the general director. S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to work on its security here. Already you have people like spray painting faces on and busting into safe houses. Now you have robots of people riding in elevators with the people that they're impersonating and nobody notices. And it's got a really good security system in that elevator. It does retinal recognition. It won't let you go if you have a cigar. But it will go if you shoot it. So it's not that good. I think S.H.I.E.L.D.'s <laughs> doomed to fail here. I, I don't see a big future for this organization. I love S.H.I.E.L.D.'s logic, the way they know where to start looking for Andrea. Because when she makes her demands, she states that she needs the $1 billion, according to Greenwich Mean Time. And well, if she was in New York, she would have said Eastern Time. So she must be outside the country. Which would mean she would be in London, but she's not. (laughs) These are the people (laughs) protecting the world. This is their logic. Oh, because she didn't say Eastern Time. Yeah. Ten hours difference from Greenwich Mean Time, but whatever. Well, keep in mind, they also have a motherboard that was sold to the Aleutian Islands. So the grand plan is we're going to go to the biggest state in our nation and fly around until we find secret lair. Or they shoot us down and we crash into them. And I only have three hours to live, by the way, (laughs) before the kiss of death causes me to croak. The funniest part is they wouldn't have found it except Hydra shoots them down and they crash (laughs) in the base. (laughs) 
Who needs to be a good investigator when they shoot first? Yeah, I love it. Hilarious. As confusing as that is, how is Val tracking where the bomb is in New York? Oh, she's running around checking every ice cream truck. and Is that literally what they were doing? They were zooming in on really cold cars driving around? Like, that's what I got from it. They're like, oh, here's a cold car. There's three people (laughs) in it. Go follow them around. That good humor man looks very suspicious. Like, I don't understand anything that's happening in the second half Uh, of the film. Not even (laughs) a little bit. And more to the point, I want to stress, I am not laughing. Oh, no, the laughs have stopped now. Yeah, cold. I'm not even grinning. This stuff is bad. Yeah, I agree. Once Hasselhoff becomes sick and isn't chewing up the scenery as much and they make way for bad, bad special effects, although good for 1998 television, but still not good now, it just becomes an arduous thing. And the action in this is terrible. They eventually go to the Hydra base and they're captured, but Nick Fury's fake eye is an explosive. So they're able to break out. Wait, Arnie, why do you have a fake eye if you're just going to cover it up? (laughs) Like, that confused me. I'm like, wait, he's pulling out of his eye. That's kind of cool. Maybe this is a biological eye that's just not any good. No, it's a fake explosive eye. Why not walk around with that? Have you seen Sandy Duncan? It's a little creepy. I will defend it this much. The reason why he got to keep it was they did a body search of him, and she thought that the thing that in his eye patch that was a... Electronic lockpick. Yeah, that that was what it was. And so she took that away, not thinking that there was something else in that generally. why? So he just carries around an explosive... Like, that's one of his heat signature guns. That's one of his Q weapons. Look, I wouldn't have been surprised if he pulled out a baseball bat out between his ears. I mean, there's nothing going on up there. I mean, he does have a little hoff in his pocket that he's going to use. Yeah, how did he smuggle in the hoff? They take the lockpick, and I could go with he has a fake eye that they don't take. But somewhere on him is a life model decoy. (laughs) And this thing is huge. I mean, I don't care how shrinkable it is. We see them assemble it. There's an armature there that could only... If he had a briefcase, I'd go with it. But it's somewhere on his person. I don't know. And then he gets into a martial arts battle with Andrea. This is poor. They have quite obviously sped up the fight to try to make it look exciting. These people are like moving in slow motion. I think Christopher Lee had more convincing acrobatics in those Star Wars movies. You know, like when senior citizens fight, this is how they fight. I mean, I at least thought Hasselhoff had the dexterity of a Steven Skull, but no, he, he just can't. He can't do this. One wonders why he was cast if he's not able to do a simple fight choreography. I guess he's never had to. Think about it. Even though he's associated with these shows, he's not the one throwing punches. Well, truthfully, this is his fault because the person who played Andrea Van Strucker went on to be in Mortal Kombat 2 and do a lot of martial arts stuff. So she could do it. It is the Hoff's fault. Oh, I blame him. It's too much time hungover eating cheeseburgers. And Dr. Zola fires the gun and gets electrocuted. We presume he's dead. Meanwhile, Val has been lucky enough to find a garbage truck being driven by bald white Nazis and decides (laughs) to follow it. And sure enough, there are a refrigerator source with missiles inside. Again, I ask, cold missiles. They're going to fire a frozen missile. Well, yeah, that way when it starts on fire, it doesn't destroy it because it was frozen to begin with. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Come on, Stuart. Think about it. First of all, I love these bald Nazis. They remind me of the video game Hitman, which was out at this point. I just love their uniform look and how one of them's constantly playing with a racquetball. These guys are buffoons. 
I was so confused because I'm looking for the Hydra agents. Hydra, again, like Cobra, they got their green and yellow jumpsuits and the hoods, the masks that they wear, carry machine guns. And in this film, we have these weird, pale Frankenstein Nazis, and then we get some henchmen that run around with, like, nylons on their head. Yeah, it was totally pantyhose. I mean, they popped open some legs, and that was the costume budget. I will say this. I like their insignia. I don't know why it's an octopus, but... It's a hydra. A multiple-headed hydra. But it's not heads. They're legs. They're tentacles. Yeah, it it is the skull head with octopus because hydra's everywhere. Like Electra, they kind of mess up their mythology here. (laughs) But it is a cool insignia. I'm glad they kept it from the comics, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But Val's actually effective because she shoots Werner in the head. She's the only one to take out a Von Strucker. And yet she's been waiting for Nick this whole time. Notice how everyone's always preoccupied about Nick. They're like, should we attack them yet? The missiles are pointed. It's counting down. She's like, <laughs> well, let's give him a couple more minutes. Yeah, why did they need to give him a couple of more minutes? I don't even know what Nick was supposed to do over in Alaska. No, he's supposed to be getting the blood that's going to save his life. But there's not really much he can do. So why can't they attack the missiles? Yeah. I mean, the conflict boils down to this. The brother, Werner, drops dead in, what are they, Jersey? They're about to fire the missiles across the shore and into Manhattan. They need a code that's going to cut off the missiles. And so we have the psychic. Finally, a payoff for Kate. She's going to be able to read the mind of the evil Nazi woman and find out what the code is to stop the countdown. But they still got to make it about Nick. It's still about him deciding whether it's the last digit is a six or a nine. Even though he's not psychic, he gets the final say on what the code is. Why can't the psychic get the number right? Is she dyslexic psychic? It's not like, you know, in the movies, they always have the thing where the nine flips upside down as an address and it throws everyone off. This You're reading someone's mind. Was she thinking of upside down sixes all day to throw her off? Like maybe she was thinking of sixty nine with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I think this movie. I think Hasselhoff would like to think that nine. Indeed, I'm saying nine nine. I can't stand it anymore. Are there poison on those lips? <laughs> but you're saying nine nine nine. I'm laughing because Hasselhoff yells six six six. I'm like Satan. Oh, I didn't notice. But then again, I don't know if I was awake. When the sidekick is probing Andrea's mind, Hasselhoff just keeps going, dig deep, you can do this, you can do this, dig deep, dig deep, you can do this. If I was the psychic, I'd have trouble concentrating. Use it! Use it! (laughs) That's where I went. (laughs) It's the same writer. It's probably the same thing. It is! That was the kernel of use it that would show (laughs) up later in the Blade series. Dig deep! Dig deep! Dig deep! See, Hasselhoff needs to get some snipes fire in the belly. <laughs> I, I'm glad you're coming around, Stuart, that this is Goyer's writing. <laughs> well, score one for the free world. And worst line of the entire movie, when Hasselhoff does show back up, Val goes, I thought you were dead. I was, but now I'm better. I don't know. Popsicle. <laughs> oh, Popsicle. <laughs> and that's the problem with the Third Reich. No sense of humor. He can't even get it right. They're the Fourth Reich, Nick. <laughs> Come on. I'll see you in hell for this. We'll do lunch. Great line. But yes, they save the world, but they can't keep Andrea or her popsicle captured because that cryogenic tube also is an escape pod. (laughs) It's an elevator to China. I love that. Who knew as they were carting it around, you know, they had it everywhere. It's like it's the device is owned by S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, it's not like. 
this is a Hydra invention. And all of a sudden, ooh, did you know it would do that? It's not a teleportation device. It literally just plunges them down into the Earth, and they go into some unknown tube and pop out. And rather than see where the tube goes, Fury's like, she's gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah, how does the tube not shoot off into space? Like, I'm like, okay, the tube's a rocket. No, it's a drill? Wow. Yeah. Couldn't he just take an explosive eyeball and throw it down the tube? Problem solved? Yeah. He, he, he's going to blindly fly over Alaska to maybe find a secret lair, but he won't jump down a hole to follow a Nazi. It, well, they could just wait till they hit the center of the earth and melt. Yeah, they're waiting for the next movie, guys. I mean, uh, let's face it. This is the end of the story. Their time is up. And if people want more, then this couple's coming back. Because we find out that Daddy is still alive? Oh, I saw that coming. Why would he cryogenically frozen if he was not waking up? I was surprised it took to the end. You thought Robohoff was the villain. I thought the Baron was going to wake up halfway through this. And be like, why are you trying to kill your brother? Okay, have they cured the death head virus that he was infected with? No, it's in him, so they could extract it again and try to blow up Manhattan again. They've accomplished nothing at the end of this film. So, he's going to die of the virus poisoning any second now. He's been dethawed so that he can die of the natural causes of his illness he created. No, I think he's immune to it because it's in his DNA. It's literally part of him. Is he not contagious? Like, can he not affect everyone around him? In the comic book, he can. Like, if he wants to, like, let a fart go and let some of the virus go in that, he could do that. I don't know if that's what they were going to maybe do in the next episode of Nick Fury, mm. Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I would definitely only come back if they <laughs> promised to have the Baron fart in Hasselhoff's face and give him the smell of death. <laughs> So many questions, so little curiosity. Are we done? So yes, they returned to the hover carrier because before Andre escaped, they got one vial of blood. They can instantly cure Nick now. That, that was convenient. And now that he's recovered, he's gonna quit smoking. When he finally gets a cigar that's not a girly cigar, they give him a real cigar. He's been chewing on these cigarellos the whole time. They give him a cube and he's like, yeah, I'm done. Not only can't Hasselhoff stand a fight sequence, he can't stand a real man cigar. I think it's such a classic part of the character. Even I knew that this guy with the eye patch had a cigar in his mouth, that they got to have that. But yeah, they had to be aware of the kiddie audience. They just didn't want to perpetuate the idea that he would always have the cigar in his mouth. Well, Jacob, was Joe Quesada in charge of Marvel at this point? Or was it because Joe Quesada actually put a mandate that no Marvel characters can smoke anymore. So Wolverine and Nick Fury lost their stogies. Yeah, no, he was not at this time. He was just, just an artist at this time. He hadn't taken taken over Marvel, but yeah, he did currently right now. Nick Fury doesn't have his cigar. I have an action figure they made of him where his mouth is all disjointed because they made him a cigar and then Joe Quesada said, no, you can't ship a cigar with him. So I just have this mouth-formed deformed-looking Nick Fury toy. You know, I talked about how I have the Superhero Squad Punisher toys that are made for three-year-olds. I'd love a cigar-chomping Nick Fury toy made for three-year-olds. <laughs> well, I guess this leaves. Jacob Stewart... Do you recommend Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jacob? I seriously considered recommending this film. Like, I was all for this film for, like, the first half of it. It was campy. It was fun. It was a great film to laugh at. This is what I wanted out of Corman's Fantastic Four. Just this totally ridiculous Hoff being the Hoff movie. So 
the first half of this is really entertaining. Unfortunately, once Hoff goes limp and gets the kiss of death, this movie goes limp. They try to make it into an action film, and it just doesn't work. And I don't necessarily think it's because it was made for TV. Reset, I'm pretty impressed by some of the special effects in this movie for a Fox television show in the 90s. Not that bad. Uh, Much better than Generation X. But yeah, when you have to start paying attention to the plot of this film because it stops being campy, it's boring. It doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. It's dumb. So because it lost that momentum, I mean, if it was just Andrea in the Hoff chewing up scenery the whole time, I would have loved this film. But unfortunately, they dropped what was working for it. And so I got to give it a week not recommend. There's something I still enjoyed about this film, but not enough to recommend it. Stuart? Well, I'm going to give it a high recommend for The Avengers. Now, can I please stop watching this made-for-TV bullshit and skip out on the next four months of programming? Please? Are you going to do this to me every week? I don't know that I can take it. I would rather eat burger off the floor than sit through more of this. This is not camp fun. This is not Adam West Batman. I enjoy that world, and I enjoy good camp. This guy doesn't work for me as an ironic figure. He doesn't work for me as a straight figure. He's just toxic. 90% of the problem is Hasselhoff. But let it be said also that this movie is just a really dull, dumb, spy, James Bondian ripoff in a world that already had Austin Powers that was funnier and more exciting. Just a total flop and deserves the obscure that it has. Please don't pay $85 or any amount of money to sit through Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm sitting right with Jacob on this one. I think that the first half of this film was just wonderfully camp funny. I just had so much of a great time and I sat there for the first 20 minutes thinking, Stuart's going to rip me a new one, but I'm going to give this a recommend because I'm just having so much fun with it and the Hoff is so bad, he's wonderful. But then the movie changed and it became really just bland dreck. I mean, worse than your average TV stuff. I watch TV I watched the reincarnated Knight Rider series. I watched Chuck. I see a lot of action television, and this is bad on that level. And so I was enjoying how awful it was, but when it lost its camp humor and decided to become a serious film along the lines of the sum of all fears, it lost me. And so, no, I'm going to have to give this a not recommend, but I do have to give one big shout out to Marvel Comics because... Stuart, you say this is forgotten. Marvel Comics has their own YouTube thing where they do action figure videos. They have action figures doing these comedic things. They actually had the Nick Fury action figure get a clone. And the cloned Nick Fury had David Hasselhoff's face on it. And then the clone Nick Fury later is found drunk eating a hamburger on the floor. So for the humor value alone, this is considered a Marvel camp classic. But I can't recommend it. Well, I think that that's the important thing to stress here. None of us think anyone should make any effort to go see it. You can laugh about it just by looking at the trailer. You know, it's up on YouTube. I watched it. I think you posted it on our Facebook page, Arnie. It's enough just to see him try to get through it for a couple minutes. Don't hurt yourself by trying to watch the whole thing. It's just, it's not worth it. The funniest thing about that trailer is I really, really thought that that was some fan-made thing because it starts from the studio that brought you Iron Man and has all these other properties named, and then it goes to this, and I'm like, oh, it's a joke. 
No, this was on the official DVD release. This is Fox's trailer. So that is our first step into Avengers. But Stuart, look at the bright side. I mean, mm-hmm. this was made for television. Uh-huh. But we now have three Captain America movies. The one that just came out last year? No, no. We're getting to that one in a few months. Oh. But the 1990 film was made for theatrical release. <laughs> made being the operative <laughs> word there. Uh-huh. This is making me feel better. Wasn't it written by J.D. Salinger? It's No, it stars oh, his son. Oh. <laughs> and it was shown in cinemas across the USSR. <laughs> yes, as a way of further propagandizing how bad America is with its shitty Captain America. If that's the captain, who would want to go to that country? In Mother Russia, you pay for TV movie. <laughs> So we're not just doing all made for TV. I even think the next couple Captain America TV movies were TV in the U.S., but I think in other countries, these were considered cinematic entertainment. So Let's find other people in those countries then to... Yeah, I agree. Steward. <laughs> Oksana from Belarus will be joining next week in my play. I promise it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it gets better at this retrospective. It's a Hydra, you know? It truly is a Hydra. Cut one head off and ten grow back. I'm now convinced that it's a tough road. It's a new year. I'm going to try. I'll end on a positive note. I am looking forward to learning more about Captain America because I have never seen a movie with him in it. Well, we will fix that next week. And we had mentioned that we were doing a vote because we have our donation series coming up for spring. We'll announce when the donation drive starts, but we wanted to know what you guys wanted to donate for us to review. We'd been doing the picking in the past. We had to get Alien in. Stuart was going to revolt if we didn't do Alien. So Alien is our $10 donation series. But the $25 donation series was up to you guys. And we had the vote. The vote ended on New Year's Day. And the winner is the Spielberg Trilogy of E.T., Close Encounters, and War of the Worlds. Wow, War of the Worlds. But hey, you guys want it? I'll go in with an open mind. Nice. If Stuart can go into next week's Captain America with an open mind and stop hating, I'll go into (laughs) War of the Worlds with an open mind. So until next time, now playing Disassemble. Well, you watch your steps, Fury. I had your pink slip before and I can do it again. The world's changed since you ran off to the wilds. Your particular brand of vigilanteism isn't going to cut it anymore. Put up that cigar! Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's The Avengers. Some assembly required. Not bad. You've got talent. It's what I had in mind for maybe the rest of my life. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film featuring a Marvel Comics Avenger. I can't force you to do this, but if you choose it of your own free will, then come to my house. All the way through a weekend of release review of The Avengers this May. Let's see world trembles this night. Our work has just begun. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners. What's in it for me? You get to live a little longer. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as Blade, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four, as well as non-comic book-based series, including Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, Philip K. Dick, Tron, and many more. <laughs>
I have things to show you. Powers beyond your comprehension. Come. We also have individual movie reviews of films like Green Lantern, Avatar, Cowboys and Aliens, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Power is not to reason why. Power is but to do it. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. From this moment on, I want to know about every idea that you guys entertain from the moment it pops into your head. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. I see this part of our debt to the community. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Even if you get the money, you're still going to release the virus, aren't you? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. Appreciate the vote of confidence, people. Expect a little something extra in your Christmas stockings this year. Now Playing's Avengers, Some Assembly Required, retrospective series, is edited by Arnie. No general expects to win every battle. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. Quite a mouthful when you try and wrap your tongue around it. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises. The Marvel characters and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated, and no infringement is intended. Jam Captain America down their throats. At the same time, protect yourself. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now relax, kid. I'm just blowing smoke up your hoo Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Get it? Got it. Good. Get you on a rebound. Don't you dare cut me off, you comic book coward! Let us rock, let us roll. This is Jacob in Dallas? I kind of moved over the holidays. You are the lone Angelino now, Stuart, for now playing. But I'm very jealous of, of the two of you. I'd rather live in New Detroit with Jacob. <laughs> Gotta get to that Robocop means. retrospective. Oh, yes. okay, all right. The G.I. Joes to the Cobras. It's the holograms to the misfits, right? This is like the yin and the yang of the cartoon bad guy, good guy universe. Did you just reference Jam? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't knock just energy. The Misfits songs were better. They were. They were in a minor key. <laughs> and they never did get her. One thing, keep in mind, these are now back in the PG-rated podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, how am I supposed to talk about this movie without four-letter words? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, God, who would have been Who would have been the dude? David Hasselhoff! No, he was not the dude. He was never the dude. What was the most popular show in 1998? Friends. Seinfeld. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld! You put Jerry in this, you got something. <laughs> We eventually come to find out he was fired because he is a Cold War super spy in a glass-nosed world where the Berlin Wall has fallen, and there's just no need for that kind of thing anymore. So, Are we talking about Austin Powers or Nick Fury? <laughs> exactly. Yes. The answer is yes. Dr. Zola. 
I'm sorry, not Zola. Uh, yeah, Doctor Zola. Not Gor. His first name is not Gorgon, by the way. And she says something really weird. I'm wondering if there's an answer to this, Jacob. At one point, he shows more interest in holding an Intel meeting and talking about, you know, like the Armageddon than he is about their past history together. And she says, oh, I'll manage Kurt. Who's Kurt? Kurt's the dead guy. No, his name's Clay Quartermain. Oh, Clay. Who's Kurt? I, she call, the, Are you saying she calls? It's a literal Fury? She, she calls Fury Kurt. There, they're standing there on the balcony, and he blows her off, and and is then like a no. Everything. I'll manage Colonel. I'll manage Colonel. Yeah. He's Colonel oh, Nick Fury. Okay. Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> okay, that was you were confusing me. Yes, but yes he's he's I, Colonel. No, I was confusing myself because I was like, I don't. I, the characters' names are changing. This is unfair. <laughs> if it was the actor's name, I could go with it. But. <laughs> 